Hello, and welcome to Rebel FM episode 364. Live from our respective internets, I'm Anthony Gagos. Joining me is Matt Chandernay. Hello, I am on my respective internet. And James Faulkner. I'm on my internet and spectating Dota. <laughs> and spectating Dota at the same time. What's going on in Dota? <laughs> uh, just watching people, our friends play. Weren't you just coaching their match? I am. I'm still coaching. So how does that actually work when you coach somebody else's match? I mean, are they actually listening to you? <laughs> I mean, you are the sixth person in the match, so you can queue right. up with six people, or I mean, you don't have to be with six, but you you can like draw on the map, like I'm. You can see in the Skype or the Discord call, and and you can like draw on the map and stuff, still, right? Yeah, you can ping and do a bunch of different stuff. They re-added a bunch of stuff recently because it was broken for a really long time, uh-huh. uh, and pe- people couldn't see it. But like, what kind of stuff did they re-add? Oh, the drawing and the pings, like the the players couldn't actually but, see for a long time. Uh, I see. Yeah. Anyway, I'll turn this off. I mean, cool. You can watch Dota if you want, as long as you know you can still participate. As long as you're paying more attention than Arthur does when he's on his phone while we're usually recording. <laughs> Buzzing. <laughs> yeah, I just figured. I just figured he deserved a, a, a little a punch little in the gut for not being on the recorder. <laughs> yeah, Arthur's not here. Uh, he's got. I don't even remember why. Black Art- Panther. Oh, is that really why? You see mm-hmm. Black Panther? Okay. You know, unlike me, well, I'm gonna go see your play- Black Panther tonight, but like way later. <laughs> Everyone's seen Black... You know, there was... I mean, there was a time where I would have maybe been uh, making something that I might have... Uh, uh, a video game where I might have cared more about Black Panther. I'll still see it, but I just haven't really been excited for a Marvel movie in the same way. I guess maybe working oh, on a game in that way can make you not as excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm super, super looking forward to it. I really wish that we could see it, but there wasn't going to be any time because... Eleanor and I are headed up to Reading this weekend, so there wasn't any good. Uh, there weren't any good show times left over. I'm curious about the Black Panther movie. I'm really, I'm really interested to see Infinity War because I think the Black Panther stuff in that looks really interesting. That so much of the movie seems to take place in Wakanda. That's mm-hmm. really cool to me, and I'm and I'm interested to see the interplay between like uh, the Winter Soldier and Black Panther, especially because you know, like the Winter Soldier kind of fucking murdered his dad so um yeah yeah i'll, I'll be curious i just i want to see how all that stuff plays out and i do think right. black panther's a really cool character when i applied for the job at gazillion uh and i played through the game i intentionally played through the game as black panther because it was a character i was completely unfamiliar with so hmm. um nice and it's funny that at the time he was probably like a pretty low played character and, and i bet you if that game still existed he would rise to like number one Oh, yeah, easily. Yeah, people are super excited about that movie. And I think probably with good reason. Uh, You know, there's much to be said for it being, you know, one of the blackest movies in recent history. I mean, it's got like the the cast is incredible. The writing staff, the, you know, the directing, producing staff. I mean, it's uh, it's such a it's just one of those things that you don't expect to come out of super whitewashed Hollywood these days, you know. And I'm glad that that they're finally doing it, and that it looks like it's going to play a huge role in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like you said, like that movie looks like it's taking most taking place most of the time in Wakanda, and with the Infinity War trailer that we saw, it looks it it implies that Wakanda is basically going to save the entire Earth because of who and what they are. You know, I think it's that. I think you may be right. 
I also think that it's probably taking place there specifically because like uh there's like a long history of Wakanda being a place that is like a analog for like modern African countries in the sense that like everyone wants to exploit it really bad always because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's like the one source of vibranium. Yeah. So um yeah. But the th- but the thing is is they uh, at least, you know, the the implication in the cinematic universe uh, universe in the cinematic universe That's right. is that they don't succumb to any of that. You know, they're totally. Yeah. They've remained fiercely independent. Yep. Uh, By the way, on in the Twitch chat, render block says that he actually clipped you getting the episode number right on the first try and he sent it to Arthur. To be fair. I also <laughs> have the internet in front of me directly. So I, I yep. cheated. <laughs> the, the other thing that I've been doing since I haven't been here for the last two weeks is the, uh, the black Panther album, uh, which is not the soundtrack, but is like the inspired mm-hmm. by that was curated by Kendrick Lamar also mm-hmm. came out last week and it's just fantastic. It is, it is an incredible album uh, with a bunch of people from Kendrick's label and, and like, and friends uh, I'll, I'll say, uh, and it, I just highly recommend it. It's very good. Oh dude, I listened to, um, I had to listen, I listened to some of that like uh on our to and from to a shoot last week with Cesar because Cesar had it in the car. Cesar is one of my business partners and man, it was really fucking good. <laughs> it was really good. Mm. Uh, Colin Wrigley in chat says, love that you're doing a live show, but I'm getting the sinking feeling there won't be a proper Rebel FM this week. Not sure if you realize this, but Rebel FM is, Rebel FM is my adult version of Saturday morning cartoons. You're canceling my Saturday morning cartoons. Well, not that we really want you to leave, Colin, but you actually could bail on us, and then Anthony's going to be uploading the audio version of this later, but then you wouldn't get all the live interaction, and you could still listen to it on Saturday morning. Also, uh, so there you go. someone else says, we don't record all together in one room normally. And uh, uh, Ontario, we do record all together in one room normally. We're just not doing it today because it's we record in Arthur's apartment, and Arthur is out seeing the Black Panther right now. So we decided to do something a little bit different for this week's show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, bam. Has anyone been playing uh, computer video games? I have been. Have you guys been? I played one new thing. What I... was it? Mm. You go first. Go first, James. Oh, I don't have. I don't have. I was going to say, I don't have anything. Oh. <laughs> well, that's not very helpful. <laughs> All right, then I will go first. Uh, I I played and actually raced through the end of finally Subnautica. Oh, nice! Yeah, uh, because you know it's a survival building game, and those are my kryptonite. I love those things. How how did you end up uh, liking that? So I loved it up until a point. Uh, the thing that's really interesting about Subnautica is that it's it is a it's the first time I've played a survival game, um, uh, I guess, uh, maybe other than... Uh, what's the one that the, the one in the north that takes place in Alaska? Um, uh, the Long Dark. The Long Dark. Uh, so The Long Dark has kind of a storyline to it where you're not really meant to get attached to your base and you're meant to move on. And Subnautica is a little bit like that, where there's a very definite point, a critical path for you to follow and to actually beat the game. So it's not like other survival games. It's not a Minecraft, you know, like you do get resources, you do build a base and stuff like that. But it and it has biomes and it has resources to gather that are specific to certain biomes and creatures and plants that are specific to certain biomes. But um, 
those biomes are uh, the the map itself is has all been handmade. It's all predetermined. Um, so there's no, uh, you know, it doesn't have any randomness to it all. Once you've played Subnautica and you get used to the map, you know where everything is in the map. So uh, it, for somebody like me who loves the randomness of some games like that, it doesn't have a lot of replay value. And I'm also not even sure if the resources respawn. Like things like the fish, of course, respawn. But uh, I've gone back to places that I basically mined all of the resources out of. And they're, they're pretty much just rocks floating on the ground that you pick up. Uh, and I went back and there was nothing there anymore. Um, so there, there's a limit to what you can do. So the game is very definitely trying to push you towards a goal of being able to get the resources so you can build the vehicles and build the things that get you deeper under the ocean uh, so that you can get through the story and eventually get off the planet. Because the main storyline is that you're on a colony or you're on this corporate ship that gets uh, somehow, for some reason, ends up crash landing on the planet. Uh, and then you are, and then your goal is to basically escape the planet. But you can't escape the planet because you're infected with some sort of virus that these aliens who were on the planet a long, long time ago created a defensive system to keep anything from leaving the planet so that nobody so that nobody else in the universe would get this disease because it kills all organic life. Um, so you have to figure out how to get around that issue and get and be able to get off the planet without the aliens uh, destroying you and that kind of stuff. Um, so I actually found it really really enjoyable especially early on you know it's like it's really easy to do the base building and stuff like that it's all just pieces that connect together Mm -hmm. uh the tech tree is a lot of fun to investigate it's not very deep so you feel like you can get to the end of the tech tree pretty easily uh it has extremely cool vehicles like there's a uh you know a little uh we just saw it on the twitch stream um where there's a um like a a giant sub that you can get in and then there's a little personal sub and the little personal sub can dock with the giant sub um and they even make a joke when you build the the giant sub the the uh the computer voice that's been with you the whole time says uh warning this sub is recommended to be piloted by three people and then of course the game isn't co-op it's strictly single player (laughs) um so you know it makes little jokes like that uh there's lots of text in the game there's alien ruins and stuff to go through which are all really interesting um so there's a lot of love and a lot of care put into this game but i actually got really frustrated by the end game Hmm. why is that well the um there's a point at which, uh, so for one thing, the game has a few guideposts, but it doesn't have enough. And the exploration, by the time you get to the end of the game, I actually found it to be really frustrating because you run into so many hostile creatures that they're almost impossible to get by until you get uh, the large sub, which allows you basically to do silent running so that you can get by things if you move really, really frustratingly slow. And so, you know, there's there's some times where I was like, oh, I need to go back to this thing that was 1500 meters deep past all of these super aggressive creatures that will just kick the shit out of even your big sub and totally destroy it. Um, And it took me forever to get there running really slow the first time. And I was like, I'm not going back there. So I just looked up cheat codes and I found out a way to like give myself the materials that I could have gotten had I known I needed to go down there the first time because the the journey was so agonizingly, frustratingly long 
um, that I was just like, I'm not doing this again. Uh, and you know, I, at one point I was, I was like really enamored with all the exploration, but once you've been to each of the biomes and you've seen it after a while, you just feel like you're trying to get from point A to point B as quick as possible. And the game's design is there to stymie you from getting through it as quick as possible instead of making it an enjoyable experience to be under the ocean. How is it, uh, stymieing you, you feel? Mostly by the amount of aggressive, uh, enemies like super aggressive enemies. Uh, the, uh, and like, I found it really, really difficult to get some of the resources that you need to build the mods that go into your subs, because you can only go to a certain depth unless you can find the materials to build mods for your subs that increase structural the amount integrity of, or whatever. Ex- exactly. Yeah. So there's like this one material magnetite. And I was like, I, rode around forever trying to find it. And I finally just looked up online and it said, go to this one location called the mountains. Well, I had to find out where the mountains were. And then uh, I was like, well, I don't quite know how to get there because the only pathfinding mechanism that you have is uh, a compass. You know, there's no, and you have to find the tech to build the compass, which you find pretty early on, to be fair. Uh, But it's like, all right, I know that the mountains are roughly northwest of me by looking at a map online. And so I went over there, but I couldn't quite tell if I was in the mountains or not until finally I was able to open up a console, which basically gave me a, a world location. So, you know, I'm essentially cheating to find my way around all of this stuff because there's a point at which I felt like I wasn't having fun anymore exploring. And I was just running up against uh, what felt like artificial limits placed by the game to extend gameplay. Um, and I know that it's like, Maybe if I was taking more time with it, I might be able to get around that and have more fun with it. But I just ended up feeling frustrated by the end of the game. I just wanted to get through it. So I ended up just cheating myself resources so that I could get through to the story stuff to the end of the game. Um, And the the story stuff is actually really good. Uh, I'm glad that I got to see all of that stuff instead of just quitting because I couldn't find a good way to get the resources that I needed to get in order to progress through the game. And then once I got the, the deep, the, the resources that allowed me to dive deeper, I had to dive so much deeper and do it so slowly. I was like, Oh, well maybe what I'm supposed to do is build a base down here so that I don't have to travel so far in order to get stuff, you know? Um, and it's, but as soon as I got out of my sub, I would immediately get eaten by something. And there didn't seem to be a good way around that at all. Um, you can build torpedo tubes and build torpedoes, but I found them really ineffective. Um, it seemed like the game really wants you to basically be a passive player and to run through stuff non-aggressively, which I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. But then there weren't enough options for it to actually make it enjoyable, especially because the 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 one-man sub that you're piloting around... Um, Again, by cheating and looking at the console, I could see how fast I was moving. And the one, the one man sub, you move at like fourteen, whatever that is, whatever that number means. Uh, I don't know if it's like fourteen units. kilometers. And, yeah, fourteen units. Yeah, uh, and uh, but the um, the large sub that you need to run in silent mode to get past all the the super huge, amazing looking and animated creatures, but you still need to get past like these super dangerous creatures by running silently. Uh, even at even at flank speed, which you can only run for a little while without without the engine blowing up and starting a fire in your sub, um, is it the at flank speed it runs at like 
10 or 12 and usually you're running at like eight and you can swim at like eight or nine just normally um so it's and you know when you're trying to trying to go around these giant aggressive leviathan creatures you have to do it uh not even at regular speed you have to do it at super slow speed in silent running mode which is really tension filled but once you've done it you're like I don't really, I'm not sure I need to have this experience over and over again trying to get through this game. Yeah. I was just, it is interesting to me that it's uh, a survival game with a story because like this in the long dark, you see that, but you don't see it. You know, most games are just exist and try and make your own fun out of it. So Mm -hmm. I I should also take a second to say that I work in the same office as the people that make this game. I sit, oh, yeah. I sit very close to them. I like it's, I, the, the, the head of the studio is someone I think of as a friend. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. I, but, uh, well, you can tell them that, like, uh, in spite of my frustrations with the end of the game, I, by and large, found it uh, very enjoyable. I, um, and it was. And, like, it was, it's so detailed in so many ways that you just don't expect and that are surprising and uh, are really fun to be a part of. And it was a, their express goal to make a game that was, uh, that was, I think, a game that was that encouraged nonviolence. Like, yes, I, that was a stated goal of theirs. You know, and they it, their past games were shooters. Like they mm-hmm. made uh, the natural, natural selection, selection games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny because yeah. you can find a poster for natural selection in the game that you can put on your oh, wall. Funny. It also makes sense <laughs> in that world, I guess, because it's like natural selection of sea life. <laughs> natural selection was all about biology and stuff like that too mm-hmm. you know you can definitely see that there's like some fascination with like creature design basically like mm-hmm. weird weird creatures you know yeah yeah definitely was, it's really good in that way i'm 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 impressed a lot by um the idea of creating essentially a single player uh open world survival game that's entirely handcrafted instead of uh, you know, driven by algorithms and and randomized stuff, you know? Like, I really admire for them taking that on. But for a game that's supposed to be... This you're supposed to treat non-aggressively, it needed it needed more signposts at the end of the game so that the fresh... so that the exploration would be less frustrating. And it needed... Um, it needed more options for being able to move through the water uh, quicker and non-aggressively without getting, you know, tackled by every sort of aggressive sea life that was out there. Yeah, it is. I still, I only played a little bit of, I had a really hard time because I have like sea creature phobia when I play games like this. So (laughs) as soon as nightfall would come anytime, I would be like, ah, hide. And then I would just sit (laughs) sit in my boat at night. Uh But the problem is you have to go out at night to get certain resources. So that was no. You don't really. really no, I, I thought there no. were certain night creatures that you really had to harvest. Was the impression? No, definitely not. Or at least it didn't seem like that to me. It seemed like everywhere that I went, the same creatures were always in the same biome any time of day or night. So okay. maybe that's the way it used to be, or something when it was in earlier access, but not now. Yeah, that might have been something they they you know lightened up on a little bit or something. It is interesting. I can't think. I, I'm sure there must be, but I was like, I don't know if there are how many other survival games are out there that are water survival games. This is the only un- this is the only ocean one that I can think of, and all the all the basic mechanics are there that they could you know create if they figured out how to do you know sort of a randomized ocean or whatever they could totally do a 
something that was a little bit more Minecraft style, especially if they allowed for more abundant resources or resource mining. But um, as a as a single player survival experience, it's really great up until about the mid to late game, and it, then I just got too frustrated with the mechanics. In the early days of like iPhone games and stuff, it's funny. You know, we used to talk about how we were like, oh, it looks like a Unity game. It looks like a Unity game because I felt like Unity games were used for much more simple games. But this is a surprisingly mm-hmm. good-looking game for being Unity. Like, yeah. in my experience, you know, like I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't think that at least not initially. It's especially like- pretty when, like, when you make a giant garden of all the glowy plants like i actually did that i i got some of the seeds for all of my favorite looking plants and made a giant glowy garden with outdoor garden beds or whatever all around my base so that when i went into the areas of my base that i had to do the the most work and put up a bunch of glass i could just at night i would just see this giant uh really pretty glowy uh, field field yeah there you go (laughs) um well, I'm glad you liked it, at least, you know, to a degree. I think it's obviously not with that issue. Yeah. Well, I, I'm actually really glad that the that the stuff that you're able to cheat is just so easy to cheat with, too. <laughs> because, like, I'm not the type of person that believes that if, you, if you're cheating to make a game better for you, uh, that you're, like, ruining the game or ruining the intention of the game. Um, I kind of I kind of think that, you know, it's sort of like save scumming, right? Like... Uh, you know, it's probably intended that certain that certain pe- that like you know people die in say XCOM. It's probably intended that you just keep playing. But I always save scum the hell out of it because that makes the game better for me. Yeah, I totally get that. Um, I the only thing. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm always for people playing the games the way that they want to play it, rather than a prescribed. This is the way you have to play it, even though. I played Dota, and that game is very much that. <laughs> well, or, you know, it, it, go let ahead. me put it this way: Dota is everything can work. There's just the best way to do that thing. <laughs> right? Yeah, definitely. I uh... well, I kind of look at it, you know, like the way that people do, um, uh, you know, like people figure out glitches and stuff in games all the time, you know, like in ways to break the game that make it fun for them. And I don't really think there's a big difference between that and opening the console and say, give me titanium times six, you know, especially when it's an offline game. It's like, whatever. Whereas like for something like, I think the, the contrast to that is like Minecraft. And I'm like, why is it in Minecraft? I enjoy playing in survival mode and, uh, without any cheats at all. And I do everything in survival mode because I find it so satisfying to actually have to go and mine everything and find the actual resources and create the resources to build the bases in multiplayer or even in single player. And I think it might just be because the resources are also ready to all readily available. And you know that if you can't find exactly what you need, you just need to keep driving east and eventually you get to a biome that has what you need. Yeah. Um Anthony, I see you've pulled up Steam World or was it Steam World Heist? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I so I've been like uh looking for something and I I had my Anthony. Oh, can you guys not hear me? Are you muted? No, I'm not muted. Hold on. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. There hello. you are. Huh. This whole time <laughs> I thought it was recording me. Maybe it doesn't record me if I. Ah, oh, it's weird. I thought it was. Re... I I must have like clicked XSplit and it was like, nah, I won't recognize your mic input. So. Oh, was it not recording you? I'm sure it was. Uh, you guys just weren't hearing me. 
But on the local recording, I'll be there just giving nice little nods to you the whole time, Matt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I hope so. Uh, I so, need my affirmations. Um, so, yeah, I've been looking for something that I could play because I wanted something to talk about in the show. And since I had my Switch on me, I was digging through the eShop being like, I don't know, what's what's on the Switch these days? Turns out hmm. there's like 185 games on the Switch now. It's fucking crazy. Damn. Wow, really? It, I mean, nice. that's that's my exaggerated, but I don't know if that's an exaggeration. I don't, it, I don't think it is. It like, might be true. They've been adding, not everything is quality, but there's they've added a lot. Recently. Yes, there are like iPhone ports and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But there's also like SteamWorld Heist, which I think came out originally on 3DS, I want to say. It was a 3DS and PC game. Um, but I never played it back then, and I always heard it called a 2D XCOM. And... I ended up playing SteamWorld Dig 2 and liking that game. And so I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm paying more for it than I'll pay probably getting on another platform. But, you know, this is something I have with me. So let's do it. Turns out that that game is pretty good. It is exactly what they said. It is 2D XCOM. Um, I don't know if there's permanent death yet, but it is yeah. it is totally turn-based. Like, you know, move, shoot, or take two moves. Like, very much yeah. the XCOM formula. Does it have a squad or is it always so it single is, player? It is a squad. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it is single player the whole time, but you like the part that's on the stream right now is actually when you first meet your first squad member and you save mm-hmm. him because the game kind of opens with your crew getting taken away from you. That's like the conceit. Uh, gotcha. So now you're going around the galaxy collecting water because mm-hmm. water's kind of like the currency and you guys are harvesting uh, water and, well, more like stealing water from bad guys and then gathering up resources so that you can go to the bar and recruit basically more XCOM soldiers and have them fight with you. And so there is like a, a slight skill element to the shooting. Like you have to actually point and aim and you can Mm -hmm. like bounce the bullets off walls. Not everyone has like a laser that can actually, you can see to point. So you actually have to like really like try and think about your aim. Oh yeah. Nice. You can destroy cover and it's, it's actually got a surprising amount of depth and strategy because of the verticality to it. Um, yeah, it, it, yes. Actually, someone in the chat says the original game came out 3DS, then PC, then PS4 and Vita, then Wii U, then iOS, then Switch. <laughs> so it's 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 gotten around. Um, That's awesome. Well, I mean, it's the perfect game to be multi-platform like that. It is, and it's really cool art. And I'm just yeah. finding that it's like the missions so far are like 10 minutes I'm sure mm-hmm. they get longer as you go, but uh, I'm I'm playing on normal, and I feel like you can kind of crank through it in a pace that is like perfect for me for like riding on the boat in the morning, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. like uh, you know right before bed. It's something that I can like turn on real quick. To me, it feels like something that probably is great on 3ds when it came out, probably great on Vita and and iOS as well. But it is like another one of those games that I'm like. I paid a premium for it to play it on my Switch, but I feel like it's a great Switch game to have. Um, right, so it's worth the premium. Yeah, well, and it's funny that I say premium. It's a $20 game. It's just that <laughs> uh, it's easy for you to start thinking that way because the Switch already has, I feel like, a little bit of like the the App Store syndrome where you're like, well, all these other games are $10. Right. Why, why is your game $30, you know? Right. And it's like... Right. It's it's just perception. Even though I I like try and not let that stuff uh, really you know, influence like what what games you think are good or worth buying. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. there there are plenty of games that are more than worth you know the forty dollars and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I hate the fact that 
you know, Steam sales and all that kind of condition people to be like, I just don't ever pay full price for my games anymore. So, yeah, I, I, I didn't realize that because like I was thinking about it because I had never actually seen the game being played that the aiming has drifts because I like that and that makes I guess make total sense for like rather than having it be like an RNG number mm-hmm. in a 2D plane it actually makes more sense that you just get a little bit that's like that's your RNG that's your drift is your RNG yeah yeah that's really cool and you still level up and your guys unlock new skills and you mm-hmm. grind out loot and so you can equip them with different guns that actually fire differently and and I, I'm not sure, but I want to say there might be permanent death of crew members. And it's got a little bit of like a, a vibe like Mass Effect when you come. Not that's like a very loaded term, but that I just mean in the sense that when you finish missions, you can walk up to each of your crew members and talk to them and get like a little additional oh, sure. story. Like when you in, in the in betweens, you know, right when you go back to camp. Exactly, it's just like walking around the the other ship and talking to your crew and figuring out what's on their mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, honestly, what this game really reminds me of, like even down to the character you find, like that guy with the ye- the orange beanie on and stuff, is this game mm-hmm. could have been licensed and re-arted to be like a Firefly game. Like it could have just been. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, like man. it is a it is a turn based two D. Hey, I'm Mal. Uh-huh. I'm Captain Mal, and that's Jane, and we're <laughs> and we're sailing around the galaxy, pulling off oh, missions for people. Shit. <laughs> like it, it has that cowboy vibe and it has that it has the very much firefly ask music the whole time and the, mm-hmm. it's really really good music oh that's great and it, it really does feel like because firefly has a little bit of steampunkishness to it you know and so yeah, frontier frontiersman yeah and that's very much this game too so it, it feels a lot like the closest we're ever going to get to a firefly game in a lot of ways <laughs> that's pretty good <laughs> so i mean like i said like literally you could so nowadays some company would have gotten the Firefly license and put it out on mobile, you know, and, and, <laughs> yep. and re-arted this to be that. I, I thought someone did. There was a Firefly game being worked on at some point. I know that, I thought, that was like a MMO that I don't think ever came to light. I oh, thought yeah. there was also like a mobile wow. game. I, maybe, I don't know. I mean, you're you're probably Entirely not wrong, possible, James. Yeah. 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 I mean, they just put out an, X, an X-Files mobile game, so... Yeah. <laughs> I, I well, Colin Wrigley in the chat said that uh, the thought of a Firefly game that could have that could have been just gives me the sad. I know. Well, cause every, <laughs> what you wanted was Firefly as like a Mass Effect game or something like that. Mm-hmm. That was like mm-hmm. super character driven with all the voice acting. You basically oh, yeah. just wanted to play episodes of the show is what you wanted yep. to do. Yep. I, I, uh, having it be a Mass Effect game is a really great analogy, like, or simile, either that or a, um, an uncharted, Yeah, it's, it's a really good game. <laughs> yeah. a really good game. Um, I, I, so far, I have not regretted... You know, that, that's a weird thing. that It's like a little indie studio that keeps putting out games in their same universe, but mm-hmm. that are very different, but they've managed to get a lot of mileage out of like the engine and art and the workflow that they've developed. Yeah, no, it totally yeah. is. Um, it's, uh, it makes me happy when you see stuff like that, when people are clearly making a success at this one thing that they do, kind of like Telltale. That's true, yeah. Which I just found out today from uh, some of my buds um, in our gaming Slack channel that apparently Telltale has a streamer voting system uh, yeah. that you can do now. Crowd I had no play. idea. Yeah. Like, wait, awesome. wait, wait, wait. Like people can help make decisions? Yeah, like you can uh, be playing the game and then I, I think people go to a URL and they can vote trying to tell you which decision to make next in your Telltale game. 
you don't have to take the their right, right. But you can see just how the crowds. You can read the crowd. Yeah, exactly. That's such a good idea. I love it so much. I'm surprised there aren't more games. I mean, this is getting into territory that is a little uncomfortable for James, but I just <laughs> mean that there aren't more games with like direct Twitch integration. Like that horror game I worked on had a little bit mm-hmm. of it where people could literally cause things to happen in the game of Twitch commands. And I remember that the uh, Tomb Raider game had some stuff like that too. I would, I still feel like that's a interesting thing that I hope people explore like ways to, for streams to interact the yeah, game directly more interact with streams, you know? Yeah. Um, I agree. I feel like it's only a matter of time before someone makes like daylight the way that it should have been made. Like daylight was a game that w- was intended to be a procedurally generated game, f- horror game made for YouTubers and streamers. That's what it was supposed mm-hmm. to. That was its original vision. Was oh, how, wow. how could we make a game that PewDiePie could play for weeks on end and, <laughs> and continue to make videos about that was like its original goal. The like, one, the one thing, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, Good. I was saying the one thing that I can't talk about that kind of relates to that is uh, at TwitchCon this year, my team worked on a project called Galactic Disagreements, which was it's <laughs> a uh, great name. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was a game that we put up during TwitchCon, like between uh, like stage segments, and it was a basically that it, we use. There's a system called Extensions on Twitch. You can go look it up. I'm not, I'm not going to product market mm. for it, uh, yeah. but uh, it basically allows you to like put overlays on top of the stream and then you can you can interact with it so it was like this giant like space battle game you can look you can there's vods out there you can go look it up yeah Um, oh that's super cool that is cool yeah in chat says that telltale also uses that same system for couch co-op and he says that patrick klepik uh over at waypoint plays that game the way that way with his wife the telltale games with his wife that way that's cool i usually play that with my fiance and just let her make the decisions right i i literally am just a human that's there for the quick time events and then right exactly it. so yeah we start i started uh playing mass effect one that way with my wife and we sort of fell off it but it's always in the back of my head is something that we need to do again yeah it's fun to do it that way and mm-hmm. and just it's fun to especially when i like there's like a especially in uh, the Telltale games where the countdown clock goes really fast. And so I just make a call and she's like, why would you do that? And I'm like, (laughs) you didn't say anything. So now they're they're dead. Well, it also points out things, especially since you realize kind of how old Mass Effect is, you know, like we're running around the Citadel and uh, Eleanor's like, why are all the Asaris dressed like strippers? And I'm just like, I know. (laughs) Yeah, it has been a long time since I played Mass Effect 1. Everybody wears tight-fitting clothing. That is the only clothing style. <laughs> That's true. Mass Effect is definitely. I mean, even Mass Effect Two is like, is like now. Yeah, but yeah, but the Asari's are the Asari. Pretty much are like all about showing the skins. Uh, sure. I just mean that Mass Effect Two had like gratuitous booty shots. Oh yeah, all the time. Um, yeah. Just a. It's funny that it's not like it, it's not like. We can be like twenty years ago. What a time! It was so different. And it's just like <laughs> it's more like like five years ago, or, uh-huh. or, or yep. five to eight years ago. Yep. Now yeah, it wasn't okay twenty years ago. It wasn't okay five years ago. Uh, so Chuchi's eighty nine. I guess that's how you would say it. it. Says y'all think we'll ever get a Mass Effect trilogy remaster? And then right after that, Wallace was like, "Yes." <laughs> it, I think it makes total sense for EA to do a a Mass Effect remaster at some point. I'm sure they, that would make more financial sense for the Mass Effect brand at this point than trying to make an entirely new Mass Effect game. Like if they could just, Which makes me sad. 
yeah. Um, don't you think? Th- don't you think the backlash though would be so like? Again, not that that would actually affect sales. That but people looking at it and being like, "Well, you're not going to make a new one, so you're just trying to milk us of our money," which is again true, but also like, I don't know. I, I feel like the bash there'd be a pretty large backlash against that. Well, it needs to go. Um, it needs to be long enough, right? It needs to be long enough that uh, that people forget. <laughs> or forget enough that they're like willing to excuse it or whatever, so it doesn't become like a Reddit thing or whatever. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, I don't see that. I don't even imagine EA would do it themselves. I feel like that's like a contract job they would give to someone else to make it function. Because yeah, it is. It is a uh, Unreal. It's not even like their own engine anymore. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh. But I'm still I'm still excited to see what they're going to do with Anthem. I'm really curious about it because you know I keep hearing rumors that it's just a Destiny clone, but I can't imagine it's going to be quote unquote just a Destiny clone. Um, has anyone been playing anything else? Um, I also played just a couple hours of Kingdom Come Deliverance because I was really curious about it. Yeah, I've heard some pretty good things about it. It is a it is the most uh Well, you know how like in in movies there'll be like a period piece where they like it's not just, you know, uh inspired by but it's actually meant to take place in that exact time in human history mm-hmm. and they do they go deep into the research to make it as accurate as possible. Mm-hmm. This is the first game. This is the first like uh, medieval RPG or whatever that I've ever played, uh, where that is exactly what they are doing. This is like the most period game I have ever played. Um, in what way? Because it takes place at a very specific time in the history of the Austrian Empire, like 1409, in a very specific conflict. Um, between um, you know some of the Czech people and some Hungarians, and it it references it all so much um, that whenever you're just like walking around the town and you meet somebody new, or it's like it'll be like you walk by a cart and this thing will pop up in the corner that'll say like carts, and you can hit uh, on PC you can hit the N key and it'll bring up a thing that says carts were used for da 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 and it's like a giant historical lesson about the time period and everything that you're walking by and all the people that you run into there's a really great uh brief but still detailed entry about everything that you're running into and why they made the de- and and then it's not like why they don't directly say we made this decision to do this but you can see it where it'll just say like you know men typically dressed this way and then, like, you look around and you're like, oh, man, all of the men are dressed, like, according to this particular, you know, uh, history thing that they were just talking about. Uh, you know, you walk into a tavern in the first town that you start in, and it tells you all about taverns and inns and why they were built the way that they were and, like, you know, what they really meant and what people actually did, you know. And it's it's not just, you know, a restaurant that looks medieval. Uh, it actually had this purpose. Um and all of that is fucking fascinating and super, super interesting. And I'm only two hours into the game. There was just like the big initial story event, which sets the main character off on his adventure. Um, 
But I'm really impressed with the idea of doing something that uh, is as accurate to the time period as they could possibly make it. You know, this is just past uh, medieval Europe, the very, uh, you know, like the just before the height of the Renaissance. So it's a super interesting time period in Western history. And it's it's really cool to feel like this is the first time I felt like a game put me there instead of put, putting me in something that's like medieval or Renaissance inspired, you know? Yeah, I've, I'm not fam- that familiar with this game other I've, than... I've heard the combat is pretty cool, or like at least deep. Yeah, well, that it's yeah, it's even down to the combat, like the different types of weapons that you use and stuff. And yeah, it's still video game or whatever. But um, the you know you can there's basically eight ways that you can swing a weapon, and depending on and it has a very basic strong attack, weak attack, counter and repost and block system that all makes sense. Like once once it, you've gone through the tutorial once. But it it does do the thing that some games have done in the past where it depends on the direction that you're striking from, the kind of damage that you're doing, and maybe the combos that you can unleash. Um, And it's obviously meant to... uh, Like, when you look at the trailers and stuff, it feels like it's meant to inspire kind of a Skyrim level of RPG where you have... Or Witcher, you know, where you have an open world where you can just be anywhere and you can talk to almost anybody you can kill anybody that kind of stuff there's a you know a really deep there's a justice system um when you're attacking when you're chasing bandits down and you injure them they might try to surrender and you can let them go uh with different kinds of warnings and they make that may come back to haunt you later or may benefit you later there's like at least two ways and usually more to tackle every single quest and every single event. So, you know, you can sort of do it the way that you want to. Um, So it seems like um, the people who made this game were inspired by all of the best RPG mechanics that we've had out there. Uh, And they were able to create a pretty believable, pretty cool open world RPG experience, but on something that's obviously a lot less of a budget than like a Bioware has or like CD Projekt Red has, you know. Um, and I think it shows that, you know, you don't have to have the greatest production values in the world to have a really engrossing experience. Or at least that's where I'm at just being only a couple hours in the game. Uh, so far, at least the all the opening stuff I've been really impressed with. Is it a... It's interesting... Like so, is this a? Uh, does it tell you is it a CryEngine game? I'm curious what engine it is actually. As I watch it, I have no idea. It is a pretty good looking game in a lot of ways. It is. Um, you know, it's not the best looking game ever. It, it, it looks is, like. Oh, it is CryEngine, by the way. Oh, it is CryEngine. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of ways that you can deal with the game and the armor that it's. It they even are down to like the clothes that your character wears. So in the past, armor was layered. So you have like four slots for stuff that goes on your head, six slots for stuff that goes on your body, four stuffs on your legs, and all of that matters. Uh, You also have to eat and drink and the amount of stamina that you have and how quickly you sweat stuff out and how often you have to drink and stuff like that is all based off the amount of clothing that you wear. It's not just defensive in nature. So So it has like a lot. It's almost like a medieval simulator in some way, you know? Yeah, that was kind of what the original Kickstarter vision 
was for sure, um, mm. as far as I know. I didn't know this was a Kickstarter. A Kickstarter three years ago, apparently. Wow. Well, good on them. They did so far. It seems like they've done a great job with it. Um, but again, with the caveat, I'm just two hours in, so we'll see. Um. Uh, I would go look up some stuff about the creators of the game. I won't go into it here, but just go look up the, the E3 article from Kotaku. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can I, do. I don't know much about it. Um, I think there was no me. Okay. Well, I don't really. Uh, so uh, someone was asking if you had performance issues, Matt. If you're playing on PC, I assume. Uh, no, I put it on ultra everything. I saw some steam comments about that, about people, um, you know, talking about like they were having super bad performance issues, but, uh, for me, it's been fine, but you know, my, my PC is still pretty high end at the moment, so I wouldn't expect it to have performance issues, but I did some, see actually some comments of people saying, I have a 1080. Why does this game suck? Hmm. So maybe I've just been lucky. Yeah. Uh, anybody else? I'm I'm uh, currently logging into our Gmail. <laughs> uh, no, I don't have. James doesn't play video games. I I so you guys got it wrong. I was not I was not in Texas last week. I Where was, were you? I was in L.A. Oh, doing what? I, I forget. <laughs> oh, I can't say I can't tell anybody. Uh, all I can talk about in a few weeks. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. it, it is a fun project that I can talk about soon. Did you guys see okay. that uh, THQ bought? Well, I guess we're supposed to call them THQ Nordic, but we can just call them THQ. Uh, uh, bought they bought uh, the Saints Row people. They bought Deep Silver in its entirety, first of all, but. Really? Wow. So that means that THQ now owns Red Faction again. So, just saying. Could, what? Make could, a new Red Faction. It could happen. <laughs> wasn't it just, uh, wasn't it like our, our second premiere into show or something? Somebody asked us about, like, what would be the our favorite game that will never come back that we want to come back, and all of us said one of them is Red Faction. I mean, that's a, yeah, for sure. I mean, that game was like one of those things that Red Faction, I played through both Red Faction 1 and 2. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that if you go back and play Red Faction 1 and 2, it's like uh, super hard because it's those games were like, I think those were the games that talked about, they didn't call it Levolution. I forgot what they fucking called it. Um, does anyone remember what the fuck they called it? Like What? Uh, no, they had a dumbass name <laughs> for their like level. Geomod says Cenaris. There we go. Ge- there it was. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Twitch chat. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, and they had that Geomod thing where you could destroy the world, mm-hmm. and it was supposed to be like the hotness. Um, and it was interesting at the time, but it doesn't really. Like it, you know, you go back and play it now and it, those games are fucking awful. And so <laughs> it's, it's just really interesting. Um, to see Is the what, first one even awful? The first, yeah, both of those games are terrible, terrible, terrible first person shooters that I think 
people only would go back and check out because you don't know any better. And so, <laughs> oh. like, or, or rather, I don't know, going back, but the reason you played them at the time was because there were no better first-person shooters that you thought of on console. And so you were dealing with stuff like that and a lot of other garbage first-person shooters. Like At the time, it was fine for console, but it wasn't like a great first-person shooter. The Geomod stuff was interesting, but overall it was pretty mediocre. Yeah. And Red Faction 2 was a really weird, even crazier game. And mm-hmm. so like coming into Gorilla, I had really low expectations. Um, and so then when they showed like the level of destruction, I still was like, eh, I've played Grand Theft Auto. Like <laughs> it, it didn't seem that crazy to me. But then it really was like on a level that was much crazier. Yeah. And and that game basically just was that game could have been called like Red Faction Insurgency, basically is what you're doing. Yep. Yeah, definitely. So, well I, I loved it and I love that the sledgehammer turned out to be like the ultimate weapon. <laughs> yeah. I think I think we were talking about who I was talking about this recently, but man, like, bad company too, like Yeah. I, I they need to bring back bad company. <laughs> yep. Well, so that's the rumor that that's happening this year. Really? Oh, so that is that that is a rumor that I've heard that 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 this year's Battlefield is going to be a bad company game. Yeah. Wow. So please, that's all yeah. I want. That, as long, that, as, long as, as it. Sorry. Go ahead. I was thinking that multiplayer and like I don't <laughs> yeah. need evolution. I just need like <laughs> oh the point is inside this house. Okay, we're taking down this entire house. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> um. Colin Wrigley says, remember how games had a demo? What happened to demos? I think nowadays demos are alphas and betas. That's what a demo is. Marketing yeah. opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's weird that Sonara says, Paul Barnett said he saw two full pitch docs for Bad Company 3. Paul Barnett, is a, that's an interesting thing because that guy's been all over the place. That guy's worked at like every company. That guy's at Wargaming. He's been everywhere. So I'd be <laughs> curious to see how that guy... I mean, I'm sure there's been... I'm sure out there exists all kinds of documentation for Bad Company Three, and, and see that's oh, the yeah. thing. That's the thing that happens. Like we talked about this a little bit when there was like the EA is going to buy Valve, the EA is going to buy all these companies. Like those conversations mm-hmm. are always happening. Whether it, they actually get acted upon, yeah, like that's up in the air always. I, I mean, yeah, when I worked at uh, Zombie, we did pitch docs for all kinds of games that never came to light just because we were trying to see like we kind of just throw stuff at the wall and then hope that something sticks you know Mm. especially when you're work for hire studio right the companies put out a thing that's called i think i've said before it's called an rfp like request for publish and Mm. or proposal request for proposal yeah so they they hit up the studios i mean yeah it's the same thing for like video projects i'm sure yeah, I, I just I thought it was a I thought the request for publish might, must just be something that's dev specific. <laughs> no, like... I just probably didn't know what it stood for. Uh, uh-huh. And they just they give you like the it's like almost like getting a prompt from a professor, you know, like like a uh, remember uh, when like a while ago when Idos was like we'd be interested in letting someone make a new Gex game, pitch us on your Gex game. And yeah, it's, it's like it's like that thing. So then you send in your pitch. Sometimes with like maybe like a wire box prototype or something like that, or most of the time just with screenshots and mockups and stuff like that. And you're like, here's what we're thinking for Gex, and you pitch it to them, you know. And... Yeah, I've been on the other side of writing writing the RFPs, um, or not like writing the pro- not the proposal, but the other end of it. Um, and, and a lot of it is like, how we want to do this thing. How would you do this thing to help us? Right. 
Yeah, I think I think uh, going back to our conversation a second ago, I think demos are something they do for single player games, and then if you have a multiplayer game, you get betas. That's your demo. Yeah, obviously betas. Yeah. Yeah. And so many games are just have a service option now. Like I, I have no doubt that like when they make the next Bioware game, there might be like a demo for that. Actually, mm-hmm. if that game has an online service, they'll just have a beta. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think. I think the demos still exist, but yeah, it does seem like they don't. I mean, I guess maybe you did it back in the day because there was no games as a service concept, so that was like really the only. Yeah, not way. as much. Yeah, and for a while, I think I feel like there was a time where on 360, maybe games were required to have a demo. I they did. Know. Yeah, all games were required to have a demo on 360. Um, the, uh, was it all games or was it just arcade games? I think it was just arcade games. It was just, ar- okay. just Xbox Live arcade games. Or, or, right? or, or, or this may be wrong, but I think it, w- it was it was all games for a certain period. And then I think they relaxed that as the mm. cycle went on. Um, and then maybe it was just arcade games. But I could be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Flamboyant Waffle makes a good point. You also couldn't just watch streams or YouTube videos of games back in the day either, <laughs> which is why, you know, lots of games had demos. Yeah, I used to download, back in the day, I used to download E3 presentations when I would get home. <laughs> like, this was probably like 2004-ish or something, and I would, like, download <laughs> E3 presentations to be like, okay, three hours from now, I'm going to see what Nintendo said today. Yeah. <laughs> That was like, yeah. That was even like, uh, yeah. This that was so wild. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I, I, all the IG and Insider stuff back in the day. Like, that was all behind that paywall. And it was mm-hmm. just like, you want to see this gameplay? No, you got to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty crazy. Uh, let's see. We'll do some questions. This is from Gabe. Emails. Gabe. Hey, Gabe. And he says, with Halo Six presumably coming out this year or next. What do you expect the Halo studio will do after their trilogy is over? Another Halo Wars, another trilogy, hopefully without the Chief, something like ODST. I don't think it will happen, but with Microsoft needs for first-party games, do they take the opportunity to shift 343 to something entirely new and give Halo a break? Mm. Personally, I'm not sure if I want more Halo after 6, and I bought an Xbox One over a PS4 because of Halo. Oh, wow. So he's a he's a believer. Yeah. <laughs> I... I think the Bungie will be making Halo until or three four three. You mean three four three? Sorry, yeah, Bungie. Yes, three four three will be making Halo until they close. Like, until they close. Yeah, yeah. Until think, Halo is yeah. not selling anymore. Yep. Because like again, Bungie left to go do other things, and then they, that is the Halo studio. Yeah, that is literally what they were made to do. Yeah, and I feel and like while it while it seems to maybe you know like if they close. If, if if Microsoft wants the three four team or a bunch of the three four three team to make a different game, I I think they would close three four three and make a different smaller staff studio to make some sort of new IP. I don't yeah. think they just shift three four three to doing something else. Yeah, yeah, or or like split the studio in half and be like right. move them to a separate building and be like the remainder of these people will continue making Halo DLC and then this new team right. will move on to something else. Or Yeah, I, oh. and, but I don't see them, I don't see Microsoft stopping making Halo because it's the closest thing that they have to like their Mario, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and even if 
those people inside three four three wanted to do something else. I I I think that they just give whatever leadership person whoever do is that pitch a new studio because like we've been talking about they're right. looking they're looking for more stuff and at this point I mean it's I think it's a little bit more expensive to probably spin up a studio than it is to buy it. Yeah, um, depending, depending on the size, obviously. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, that's true. Yeah, I mean, they don't have that many internal studios. I guess so. In theory, I guess maybe they could split it off. But then, if they split it off, then they would need to hire a bunch more people because I imagine those Halo games are like, you know, it's like a factory. It takes a lot of people to make one of those games actually come out. So I wouldn't mind seeing them try more things with the Halo license, like they briefly did that. What was it called? The Spartan Assault games and stuff like that. Oh the yeah, Twin Sticks. Off- yeah, on Windows Phone, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And... and then they brought it to Xbox Live and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I would like to see them try different stuff with the Halo IP that is not just first-person shooter. Yeah, um, like, I agree. I, I would love to see them do stuff with uh, ONI. Um, yeah, like, definitely. Like, do do a like spy thriller uh, choose-your-own-adventure like Telltale style. Like, Did you ever play the original Oni? Yes, it's garbage. <laughs> it's super garbage. <laughs> it had it had so many great concepts that, of the stuff that they were trying to do, but man, that was an awful game. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, you're right though. There's the Oni stuff is all not really to, cool. not that Oni Sonaris. Uh, there was actually a Bungie game called Oni O N I, uh, and it was about a super secret agent badass. I, I think but, I think he's I saying think that that game is owned by Take Two though. Oh, that game is owned by Take Two. Yeah, oh, okay. it was pre pre Microsoft. That was a uh, Bungie San Jose, I think. Oh, oh, okay. So yeah, only was... still owned by Take Two. Okay, now I see what he's saying. Wow, so, I didn't. I never knew that. That's funny. I mean, they could make a game, a Halo, and then just have it deal with Oni, since Oni is obviously part of him. But oh, weird. Yeah, this was it was Bungie West, and the developers were Bungie, Rockstar Games, Rockstar Toronto, Feral Interactive, and the the Omni Group. <laughs> <laughs> Wow! Yeah. So oh well, they they sold it off the IP along with Myth. I would. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't mind a new Myth game. I don't think that that would ever happen, just because I don't feel like I feel like it's hard to make an RTS or strategy game that would. But man, if, yeah. if someone could get the license to Myth and make like a smaller budget version, well, I they would... sort of have that. I mean, like, there's all those battle simulators on Steam, right? Well, right, but Myth was. It was a battle simulator, but it was also like a deep tactical, like, like medieval warfare style game. So if they were to have like a tactical one like that, I don't know. There are games that I think somewhat scratch the same itch, yeah, but not quite the same. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, uh, any more emails? Yeah, we still have more. Um, I'm just looking at what Colin said in the stream, which said. How much oh, yeah. do you think geography plays into the cost of game development? For instance, how is it possible to make a game profitable if it's developed in San Francisco and every employee has to earn three hundred thousand dollars to afford a studio apartment? <laughs> that is that is that is a gross overstatement of how much game devs make. Yeah, it's true. I mean, uh, yeah. but I will say that like game devs probably, I mean, to to you can make like you can make like $80,000 in the Bay area and feel like someone who's making 30 in another place. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. great. it's because the cost of living is pretty extreme. So how do games, how is it possible to make a game profitable development in San Francisco? The answer is 
making a shit ton of money. I mean, I think that that's, <laughs> that's like the thing about a lot of games that are developed in the Bay is like they're pitched to these companies that are backing them as like an investment with a chance to make like a hundred times return. Right. Because you see games like Marvel contest of champions and stuff like that, that were developed in like Vancouver, which is not a cheap city. And then, you know, but you hear stories of like that game makes $10 million a day and stuff like that. And so it's, it's easy for them to be like, yeah, the cost of development is high, but the chance for return is so high that it's like well worth the risk. Right, but um, then you but then you have like you know really good, uh, I guess you'd sort of call it AAA indie like Campo Santos in San Francisco. Right, but they're also like what less than ten people, I think, or something. Right, like that. exactly. So I mean, like you have to you have to be able to live within your means to a certain extent right. too. And they they also took I think Sean has said this in he did an interview with Amy Hedig and they they took all all took massive pay cuts. They did. Oh, although, yeah. although nowadays I imagine they probably all yes. make what they were making or what they should be making, you know. Like mm-hmm. but would before they had money, yeah, no doubt about it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm still on my uh I'm still on my massive pay cut from starting area 5. We'll see if that ever changes. Um the thing <laughs> is the thing is yeah. The thing is uh about like you a lot of these places like they can do it because they're 10 people. And so I have no idea what they actually pay themselves, but let's say everyone there made $200,000 a year, which is not what they make. I'm sure. But if, mm-hmm. even if they did make that, that would mean that their operating costs are like probably somewhere around like two and a half million dollars a year for like their rent and everything else, you know? And that's, Oh like, no, it's uh, it's, you basically have to take whatever you pay. Oh right, right, right. Whatever right, right. your salary is, and add a twenty per- and add twenty percent per employee. Okay, so even still, though, let's say like, let's say that okay, so their costs are like four million dollars a year. That's yeah, four million dollars. sounds it is a lot of money, but I'm saying that uh, yeah, that's it, someone was talking about visceral, and it's like yeah, that that's a big difference, right? With ten people. And that's me grossly overstating what they make and probably how much their operating costs are for like their office and stuff because they probably work mm-hmm. in a very small place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can make it work for the point I'm trying to guess is you can make it work for a small team where something like Visceral was probably costing something like ten million dollars a month to run, I bet, or something like that. You know, it was, it was, it was probably pretty hemorrhaging yeah, money. Th- th- yeah, there, there's a. I think it's. And when you're a game, when you're a game dev, you're obviously surviving, and especially something like Visor, you're surviving off that you're like, hey, yeah, that bet that you're going to make more. But at a certain point, you're burning all that money, like the, with the chance to return. And if you're exactly, not going to make it, exactly, you're going to have to sell like, like 20 million it, copies. Yes. To see a return. Yeah, that's. You're, you're, you're increasing the multiplier in which you have to return to make money, which is a very scary proposition from a business sense. It does not mean that them getting shut down was good or right or anything else but it it is the way that the way that a business thinks about it which is i mean i I think that that's why you didn't see there were a lot of visceral employees though that when they were interviewed they weren't like particularly surprised you know because they knew that it was an expensive studio to run Mm -hmm. uh some people in the chat asking why they don't run studios out of places like georgia arkansas that offer tax breaks it's because i feel like there's a lot of people who've probably been working on games for years now and if those are the people you want to be senior people in your studio you have to convince them to move to georgia arkansas so and, and honestly i think the tax breaks are better in canada <laughs> it's true yeah i feel like nowadays more studios open in canada yeah uh, increasingly just canada 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 all the fucking time mm-hmm. yep 
and it's easier to yep to draw people to a, a city in Canada versus a more of a rural area in the United States. Well, and and uh, you know, entertainment companies in general all get better tax breaks in Canada, which is why so much of Hollywood has moved to Vancouver. Yeah, is I always hear there's like, isn't it Connecticut the state that like is like the best for tax breaks or something like that? In it's like Connecticut or Del, I think it's Delaware. It's like the it's like the state. Yeah, that, everyone everyone's incorporated in the state of Delaware. Yeah, is what a lot of, a lot of people do. <laughs> yeah, at, at least for tax purposes, you, yeah, you basically exactly. are just a PO box. Yeah. Yeah, Wallace yeah. says, just get the state of Rhode Island to fund your game. It worked so well last time. But that, but that's <laughs> that's just it, though, right? So when you hear about people that are like, yeah, we're opening up a studio in Georgia. We're going to get people to move out. Then people are like, yeah, but remember what happened to 38 Studios? A bunch of those people bought fucking houses because they were convinced mm-hmm. that studio couldn't fail because it had the backing of the state and a millionaire, multimillionaire like, founder. Baseball player, you know, yeah. It was like, and player. then all these people had to fucking get out of their mortgages when they had to find new jobs and stuff. Like, yep. And the state of Rhode Island never got its money back. Yeah. So it's just like, there's enough horror stories out there about stuff. Like that was like, you know, I, I was thinking about pursuing harder a job at, at a studio that was in the middle of the Midwest. And then I like thought about living in the Midwest and was like, mm, don't think I want to do that. I may be able to own a house, but then I would I want to live out there where there's like really harsh winters, or do I want to live in California? I don't really know. So. Yeah. Well, it's also you know like anywhere that you move, you have to start over, and it's always easier to start over around people that you already know. If there's even a couple people where you're moving to, it's so much easier to start over. Like you know the I'm I'm not from the Midwest, but I'm from the the near Midwest in Idaho and Montana, and my wife and I talk sometimes about like what it would be like to move up there and be around my family more. Cause I miss my family so much, but you know, it would be so much easier to move to one of those places where my family already is, even though I still don't really want to live there. Um, then it would be to, you know, move to a random game studio in Georgia or something like that. I would love if there was the infrastructure and internet and everything, and I could go live in like rural Montana and remote into a job or something. <laughs> That'd be yeah. great. <laughs> yeah that's yeah. what i've always said like living in i think washington state mm. is, is kind of like my ultimate end game i've said this <laughs> to people that i work with that like yeah between like family and a bunch of other stuff that like being able to be near uh that would be nice <laughs> yeah yeah just live up there <laughs> where you can just be like drive 10 minutes and there's woods mm-hmm. yep um Let's see. The next question is from Ben, who says, I recently finished The Witcher 3 and all its DLC, and I loved it so much that when it was finally over, all I could do was just stare at the TV with an empty what's next thought. In my case, I just didn't want the experience to end, and while I know I could do a new game plus, it's just not the same. Has this ever happened to you, like a strong desire to still remain immersed in a game or a book, for that matter? Yep. Or TV show. Happens a lot. My fiance sometimes talks to me about it. She feels like she's like, I don't know exactly how she phrases, but it's almost like the, you know, a death or something like, it's not really that bad, but she's like, what am I going to do when this TV show runs out? Like, you know what I mean? I felt, yeah. I, I felt that way a little bit with like, uh, like even the end of like every Star Trek series when I reach it. Cause I'm like, man, I spent yeah. so many seasons with, and a lot of times I was watching that show, like Deep Space Nine. I watched mm-hmm. over the course of like four years. It was just something <laughs> I appeared And so when I realized I was like, oh, right, there's no more Deep Space Nine. Like that yeah. was, 
Uh, I don't know what my wife is going to do if they ever cancel Supernatural. (laughs) That will continue to exist after the robots take over. They they, they will clone them and keep keep producing that show. (laughs) She's already pointing at me and saying blasphemy. Yeah, because uh, th- that show is on its thirteenth season. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I've seen all of it, or almost all of it, because uh, you know Eleanor has watched every season. I think at least twice. Some of them three times. Uh, I think I would say that show, Person of Interest. Like oh yeah, five seasons or something like that. It was, uh, but it was really good. And it, or let me put it this way, I, I, I. I enjoyed it. It wasn't. It wasn't always good, but it, yeah. I think my friend wrote for that show at one point. Whoa! He, I remember uh, him telling me he's like it's some show called Person of Interest, something like that, and I was like, "What the fuck is that show?" <laughs> Isn't that the, that's the show that starred Jesus, right? If I'm remembering right, didn't that, didn't that start Jesus? Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, he played Jesus in the Mel Gibson movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. He he, he <laughs> and honestly, uh, uh, Jim Caviezel. Yeah, Jim Caviezel. Uh, he was the least interesting part of that show. <laughs> it was it was all uh, what's his name um, from Lost, uh, Linus or Linus, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, and the, a bunch of other characters. Um, and there's a few book series that are like that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's just uh, Jim Butcher's series, the. Um, Dresden Files, even though that that series hasn't ended. Oh, uh, that TV! I used to Arthur used to watch that TV show all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, huh. Well, for the like the one season, I think that it was on. Yeah, I don't know. I just remember when we lived together, there was like a time where I would come and you know Arthur's like a type of person. I mean, I think we all do this, where you just like you almost have like a like a Dorito shows is the way I would think of it. Like you're just kind of mindlessly going through it, and so mm-hmm. Arthur would be like working on something or who knows what the fuck he's doing, but that would just be like on in his room mm-hmm. and, then, and then he would just check in with it. Like yeah. I, I do the same thing with like next generation Star Trek. Like you were talking about how your wife's watched a lot of supernatural. So like I've seen probably every episode of next generation like three times. Cause yeah, sometimes I'm like, I don't really know what to watch. Uh, this one was a good episode. I'll put that on again. And I just kind of <laughs> let it run. In the early days of the Skype group, it was like you and Gretchen and Nigel would, were all watching all the series like back to back to back to back to back over the course of like four months. <laughs> but I, I can't They're do that. They're so good. I love them. They're so good. I think the last time I felt that, that way about anything was, um, well, it's pretty much at the end of big RPGs. So like the end of the Mass Effect series, I felt that way. Um, I really felt that way at the end of the Baldur's Gate series because uh, I maybe five or six years ago, like I replayed all of those again. This was even before the enhanced editions had come out. And uh, and I was like, these games, even though the graphics are super old, you don't really play them for it. And they super hold up. And then I was like, man, what am I going to do at the end of this? Because I just spent like 180 hours in like Baldur's Gate games, you know. Um, so, yeah. I guess I would feel that way if Dota shut down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would I get that. Uh I felt that way when Tribes 2 shut down and then they started then they released the source code for free and then I kept playing it for like 5 more years. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. That's good stuff. 
this is normally where Arthur would edit out us just waiting for the next letter to be read. Does he? Does, <laughs> it, does he actually edit stuff like that? Because I never do. It depends. It depends if it depends if there's like a long gap. Like yeah, normally you can actually see it. You can see it in the um in the waveform. Because <laughs> I uh I even listen to Giant Bombcast and they always sometimes I listen to that show. And this is not talking shit because I love that show and I I listen to it every week. But sometimes they have they keep in pauses that are so long that I think for a second I'm like, oh shit, did my phone die? And then they they start talking. I'm like, oh no, they just kept in that big ass pause. Uh, (laughs) Next letter's from Daniel, Danny, who wrote this from a Sprint Samsung Galaxy S7 Edge. (laughs) Oh shit. He says, with rumor of Microsoft on the hunt for studios, would it make more sense to purchase more and smaller studios who all have their own IP to fill out the release schedule and add more value to Game Pass? Oh, I see. So he's like talking about buying huh. games that already exist. Lower AAA studios or AA studios that could help make the jump with Microsoft support. Bonus points if said studio is already working on a game that is slated for release soon. I was thinking studios along the line of Rebellion, who I think I had named. Uh, 4A Games, who I think they're Russian. Um, hmm. IO that one sure IO is now independent and yeah they, and they could have the Hitman games you know yeah seriously. I could see that yeah uh, Stardock to name a few although I don't know that Stardock games translate mm. very well to uh no to like really a don't. console platform well but they're looking to have all of their uh you know games be they're they're looking for I I don't think they're looking just for games that can be on both Xbox and PC. I think they'd be fine releasing some PC only games as well. Hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. my guess anyway. Since they're making such a big push, you know, to like you can you can play your games on PC and Xbox. They clearly want people to play on PC too. I'm curious what all Deep Silver owned because Deep. I'm not wrong. Deep Silver publishes at least uh, Metro. Okay, so, mm. and they also publish. Do they publish? Who publishes the uh, Witcher games? Is that not them That's, as well? Is it them? I I've, I kind of think it is. Like Project Red's the developer, and then they publish it, right? Or at least they didn't. They definitely did in the past. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm actually kind of surprised if Deep Silver was up for sale that Microsoft didn't just buy them. Like, mm. and they would have had several studios, but. That is that is kind of a curious thing. Although I don't mm. know, Saints Row brand is maybe not worth what it used to be. No, so I don't know. Um, I would say no. I don't think they'd buy CG Project Red because I feel like that'd be too expensive. Like, yeah, I feel like if they're trying, I think they probably are wanting to get more studios, and I feel like CG Project Red would be like maybe not quite a Minecraft level acquisition, but it would be fucking <laughs> it would be fucking expensive. Yeah, that, that game made a ton of money. Yeah. So I'm, so I can't imagine that that would be a cheap acquisition. And no. it's also, I think one of those studios that would want to remain independent. Sure, so, I, I mean because so, they publish on every platform too, or every platform they can. Not, not to say that you could you can do a hostile takeover, but I don't think they're a public company, right? And you know the plus, it's kind of hard. It's probably pretty difficult to have a first party developer that is entirely in a foreign country. Which Witcher was published country. by Atari for the first two games. Was it really? Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, Microsoft could just buy Atari. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Mm. I mean, that's a weird one. It is. Uh, but yeah, I mean like the overall strategy that I'm, I mean, I'm guessing of course, cause I have no insider knowledge at all, but I think the over 
the overarching strategy would be to buy, make one or two super huge tr- uh, acquisitions, and then do exactly what. Uh, oh shit! I usually try to remember everybody's name that writes in, so that I can say who wrote ben. in. Ben. And I think the other thing is to do exactly what Ben was saying and buy a bunch of several mid-tier or smaller developers to fill out the rest of the schedule. Uh, so, I don't know. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know how... I try and think about who they'd acquire. I'm sure there's a bunch of smaller studios we're just not even thinking of that are yeah. just, you know, somebody in Austin or, like, just... I don't know. I don't know. It's really tough to say. You know, like uh, that's one of the things is when you have a company with the size and the money that Microsoft has, you could throw out anybody as a possibility, and they, they anybody they could they could literally buy anybody if they really wanted to. The question is, like, you know, what would be worth it to them? It, you know, I think that's why the idea of an EA deal, you know, why that rumor got so much legs is because it's like, well, they would just take care of everything in one buy. They would suddenly have everything they could ever want just by buying one one publisher, you know, um, with a bunch of first-party developers already in the queue. But uh, I don't know. that uh, After you spend a billion dollars on Minecraft, I'm not sure you want to spend however many billions it would take to buy EA. Oh, yeah, that would be, I mean, God... I feel like that would be like a on the level of Star Wars type acquisition, you know, like, right? Like, like super expensive, just because you know you don't think about EA making. A, I'm sure you think about EA as being big, but I just don't think people realize how big, especially like FIFA games and stuff like that worldwide and stuff. It's just fucking crazy, um, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yep, it's really hard to say. Like. I you think, know, I think the metric what does. what it could be worth overall. Um, uh, let's like, see. Pretty easy to find out what their stock price is worth, but I have no idea what their whole like, you know, what their whole. You know, it's like the, there's a story I just googled it, and there's like a story that says EA loses three billion dollars in stock value in wake of Star Wars loot boxes thing that happened on Reddit. You know, so they can lose three billion dollars in uh, because of a bad Reddit Reddit post and still be fine. So that will give you an idea of how oh, much geez. it would take to actually okay. buy EA. Yeah. Okay. That we're talking tens of billions, probably then. Yeah, um, or you know, one hundred twenty billion, one hundred fifty billion. I don't know. I don't know. How, how, I don't even know how to think about how much companies are worth <laughs> these days. It's so fucking ridiculous. I know. Especially because we've been living in this world where, like, how much did, like, Words with Friends get bought for, like, a studio that (laughs) had, like, this one game and then it was, like, $300 million and you're like, what? Like, the fuck? (laughs) Uh, Adorable Party says Microsoft should buy Sony. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be the best. (laughs) Oh, that'd be so good. It'd be fucking terrible, but it'd be so good. Just buy them out. Uh, Jordan says... End of story. Jordan says, what sort of food have you been into recently? Have you been cooking a thing or been to any new restaurants? Uh, uh, I'm all about Korean food right now. Oh, so good. That there pickles, is. Pickles, pickles. Yep. Uh, kimchi? Yeah. Just kimchi pickled rules. stuff, yeah. Yep. Yeah, kimchi on everything. But there's a, a bitmbop or um, uh, like a stone pot place near my house. And like, oh, you like, lucky. Like, 
Matt, you, I will invite you over. You can, we, we, we will yeah. we'll go to it. I had, um, I had a cream. Do they have the, so I have a big question. Is it Bimibop with the, is it, is it Bimibop with the actual clay bowl? Or yeah, is it just, it's, it's okay. the heated stone bowls, yes. Yes. No, right. I, don't think, I don't think that is Bibimbap. I think Bibimbap is without a stone bowl. There is something a separate. Yeah, it, oh, okay. The, yeah, no, you're right. I was going to ask that because I had that recently where it, you leave it in the bowl for a bit and, yep. you, and you let it like burn the rice on the bottom to make mm-hmm. it almost like yep. a crust. Yeah. Yep. And then, and then you, and then at the end of your meal, you pour in a little bit of barley tea and make sort of like a, post dinner like crusty rice soup out of it oh so fucking good i did not know that part of it uh yeah, I, I, I the uh i, I had a uh I, I dated a korean girl for a while way way back in the day and she took me to all kinds of incredible korean food in san francisco and she taught me all the tricks it the korean food is for me is just like the like you, you rice and then you put some basically fermented vegetables and put an egg on there and like maybe a, <laughs> maybe a meat if you want it right and like a little bit of sauce and good to go yeah um yeah i was just uh my fiance's gotten into german food well and there's good like night, a, Chuchi. There's, sorry no that's fine there's like a famous german place in alameda that is like uh like a straight up i i've actually been to like you know, sausage and beer places in Germany. And this place is a pretty legit clone of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, we go there and she likes to get the pounded out Jaeger schnitzel. That's like breaded and stuff. But obviously that's like, that's like setting off a time bomb on her guts. So, <laughs> so, so I've been trying to learn to make it uh, as a, as a gluten-free non-dairy way. So mm, nice with pretty great success. So is that what you sent us a picture of earlier? Yeah. Yeah. I pounded out the steaks or the pork chops and made Whoa. them flat and then covered them with, uh, because she can't do eggs. I used a mm-hmm. vegan, a vegan mayonnaise to hold the panko flakes. Cause you can get gluten-free panko wow. flakes. Nice. So, and then made like a German gravy, which the secret to good gravy I've discovered that I've never done before in my life is like a tiny bit of sugar. And, mm-hmm. and a tiny bit of balsamic vinegar, which is like something I never thought about vinegar. I'm, le- I'm learning that vinegar is like a secret ingredient in a lot of cooking. Yeah, that yeah. I that I just never thought of vinegar and wine. I've always I've always avoided the two in my cooking, and now I'm like, I've been fucking up. So the other it's thing, I, I, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say the other thing. Or go ahead because I'm this is moving on to a different part of food. Oh, I was just gonna say that like the uh, it's that whole pungent flavor. That, that sort of pungent sense that people sort of stay away from instead of specific circumstances is actually really valuable in well-rounded cuisine. Yeah, I just didn't know that. Uh, the other thing is that there is a vegan gluten-free bakery that opened up nearby uh, to my place as well. And I was like, oh, oh damn. Shit. And I was like, oh, well, I was like, uh, we'll see. Like, I'll probably just want to like go back to like the regular bakery I go to. Nope, it's <laughs> fucking amazing. Yeah, dude, vegan vegan baked goods are are really good a lot of times because they're like, well, we can't have this thing, so what do you, we just put more margarine? And so it's just it's just a <laughs> just amazing butter bombs, basically. <laughs> yeah, and the the folks that work there are super cool. Um, I went in for, like the first two days they were open. Uh, and they were just like, just come hang out, eat all these pastries, just keep hanging out with us. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, there, there's a gluten free vegan place like that in East Bay too. So, yeah, man, that's 
that is I've been trying to do baking as well. So, but bake, mm, gluten, awesome uh, gluten free vegan baking. That's like baking on. That's like the dark souls of baking. <laughs> you, you will fuck up and be horribly disappointed reg- regularly before you get it right well now i'm hungry so we should probably wrap up so i can get some more food even though i just ate a wonderful veggie oh. pizza that my wife and i made matt what, what's the place that you record that you brought me before we did extra life the uh, the, the like the co-op bakery Oh yeah, Ars Mendy. Yeah, they have yeah, one of these. Oh yeah, Ars Mendy. Yeah, they they do so fresh good. breads, and then they just are like, you can get pizza, but you can't order pizza. This is just nope. it's just this is the pizza we have today. If you want it, they do one kind of pizza every day, one kind of veggie pizza every day, and that's the only pizza type of pizza they make for that day. Um. All right. Well, and they're always amazing. All right. Well, thanks for hanging with us, everybody. It was fun to do a little like. You yeah, know. a little bit shorter show. Live Talk about thing. some games and do that. Well, Nightbot uh, says we've been up for an hour and 25 minutes and 23 seconds, so it's a good length. Yeah, I checked it. Uh, well, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's letters at eat-sleep-game.com. If you want your question read, there's still a backlog of letters I haven't gotten to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Chuff Money. James is at James underscore Faulkner. Matt's at uh, Talking Orange. And Arthur's at AEGIS. Arthur also puts up his art at prag magic on instagram and i stream here obviously so uh that's gonna do it which is twitch for the audio listeners is twitch.tv slash jeff money yeah it's just my twitter yeah. handle not not, not not uh what was it Chur. Chur. Uh, it was Chur romney, Chur romney. first tweeted it out today Chur <laughs> romney i don't even know how that becomes a typo because it was capital chu romney who knows? Uh, I was auto dictating it to my phone while driving. <laughs> so I've really one thing I'll say is like I always spell things wrong when I type to coworkers and stuff, and I never go back and correct it most of the time because <laughs> I'm like that. It's still obvious what I'm trying yeah. to say. I I do the same thing. Uh, if if it's an external facing email, I don't sure. really, I, I care. If it's an internal mm-hmm. facing email, I I'm just like bleh. <laughs> exactly. They, they 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 get who I am. They hired yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, Thanks. everybody. Thanks I'm with listening. you, Colin. Hashtag true Romney 2018.